We now continue repairing the breach with chapter five titled, What About Jesus? I am the author, Pete Rambo. As God, by his Holy Spirit, began to open my eyes to falsehoods in my belief system, I began to understand that his everlasting, unchanging word promises so many blessings for simple obedience to his Torah. At the same time, I began to wonder that if all this were true, then it somehow had to mesh with what I knew to be true about Jesus, or Yeshua, the Messiah. As a pastor, I had always believed that Jesus could be found throughout the quote-unquote Old Testament, but now I had to set out and really prove that. Here are a few posts from my blog and a study guide that will prompt much thought for you as you begin to explore how the Torah and Yeshua fit together. Indeed, he is revealed on every page in multiple ways. Best of all, the, fe the pieces fit so much better than I ever imagined. These entries will not answer your every question, but they might even create some questions uh, or And they might even create some questions, but I believe they will set you on a course that will help you better understand who our Messiah is and how he is revealed over and over. So I begin with one of the most viewed articles I ever wrote. It's titled, Was Jesus on Mount Sinai? Does it matter? This was originally posted on December 4th, 2013. Here is an interesting question that reveals a theological doctrinal conundrum for most of Christendom. Was Jesus on Mount Sinai? Before answering that question, let's consider what all of normative believers in Messiah know to be truth. John 1 verses 1 through 3 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. And also from Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So clearly the Messiah was present at or actually before creation. Even the authoritative Aramaic translation of the Torah, Targum Ankelos, reads, Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, And they heard the voice of the word of the Lord God walking in the garden in the evening of the day. And the same Targum in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, it says, And now the heavens... And number the stars, and if thou art able to number them, and he said to him, so will be thy sons. And he believed in the word of the Lord, the Memrah de Yeah, and he reckoned it to him unto justification. It acknowledges the presence of the word of the Lord at creation and in dozens of other places in the Torah. But still our question, was Yeshua... Jesus at Mount Sinai. So let's consider one other concept before I answer the question. Even if they do not always agree on the finer points of the Echad, or one, united, nature of the Father and the Son, Christendom widely regards Jesus, or Yeshua, as being of the same essence and in perfect unity with the Father. 
Messianic Rabbi Itzhak Shapira would argue for Yeshua as a manifestation of the Father, demonstrating one perspective of the connection between Father and Son from a very Judaic source. The bottom line is that even Yeshua said, I and the Father are one, and if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So knowing that, that Jesus, or Yeshua, was at creation and acknowledged his unity with the Father, was he at Mount Sinai during the giving of the Torah? Frankly, that seems like a total no-brainer. But prior to digging deeper in the scriptures, I'm not sure I ever contemplated the answer, or more importantly, the implications. Consider Exodus chapter 24, verses 9 through 11. Then Moshe went up with Aharon, Nadav, and Avihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and they saw the God, the Elohim of Israel. And under his feet there appeared to be a pavement of sapphire as clear as the sky itself, Yet he did not stretch out his hand against the nobles of the sons of Israel, and they saw God, and they ate and drank. Besides having this wonderful flavor of the divine Holy One desiring so much to be with his people and seeing that desire manifest again at the Last Supper as he eats with his disciples, this is an amazing account of humans in the presence of the living God. But... Can humans see God the Father face to face? John chapter 1 verse 18 says, No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. And John chapter 6 verse 46 says, Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. I think it's clear from multiple angles that Jesus, Yeshua, was on Mount Sinai, and he is the one Moshe spoke with and the elders ate with. Why is this significant? Well, the Torah, God's instructions, sometimes called law, was given on Mount Sinai, and Moshe knew God face to face, panim al panim. Additionally, parts of the Torah were spoken from the mountain directly to Israel. Targum Ankelos translates Exodus chapter 19, verses 16 and 17 as, And it was the third day in the morning, and there were voices and lightnings and mighty clouds upon the mountain, and the voice of the trumpet exceedingly strong, and all the people trembled who were in the camp. And Moshe led forth the people out of the camp to meet the word of the Lord, and they stood at the lower parts of the mount. Jesus, Yeshua, gave the law, the Torah. Let that sink in. Yeshua gave the Torah. This poses a sizable conundrum for most of Christendom that argues that Jesus did away with the law. The theological and doctrinal implications are staggering. Yeshua said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Ponder the sheer gravity of that statement and its implications. Do you know what his commandments really are? Have you got Torah? Other related thoughts. James 4.12 refers to Yeshua as the lawgiver, a clear affirmation of his being on Mount Sinai. Another question. Could Yeshua die for a covenant that his father made? Or was he sent before the covenant was made and it was he, uh, the one who made the covenant with Israel, the bride? 
Who is it that walked through the pieces at the Abrahamic covenant? Genesis 15.1 says, The word of the Lord came to Abraham. Did Yeshua make that covenant as well? I think so. And as a personal aside, pondering this is so huge that it makes me giddy with excitement and filled with a holy fear, a dread, all at the same time. No wonder Rav Shaul would burst into praise saying, in Romans chapter 11, verses 33 to 36, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who became his counselor? Or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. The next post that I have as part of this chapter, it says, Was Jesus on Mount Sinai? Part 2. And this was originally posted on January 17th, 2015, which makes it roughly two years after. No, I guess uh, 14 months after the first article that I titled Was Jesus on Mount Sinai? And it says... Was Jesus on Mount Sinai? Does it matter? Is, this is one of the most popular and most shared posts ever on my blog. In that post, I articulated and defended from several angles my conviction that Yeshua, Jesus, stood on Mount Sinai and was, is, the lawgiver with whom Moshe spoke. I had been asked to teach a series of, at a local Baptist church demonstrating Yeshua's presence in the, in the Tanakh or the Old Testament, we began with the angel of the Lord instances to reveal him as the physical, visible manifestation of Elohim, of God. Soon after I began uh, teaching this series, in the middle of our Shabbat Midrash at our home fellowship, my attention was drawn to chase a, what I call a rabbi trail, that led me to reading a verse I've seen a dozen times. And you know the rest of the story. I saw something I had never noticed before. In Stephen's defense before the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 7, he says something that is a stunner. Here is Acts chapter 7, verses 37 and 38. This is the Moshe who said to the sons of Israel, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. This is the one who was in the congregation in the wilderness together with the angel who was speaking to him on Mount Sinai and who was with our fathers and he received living oracles to pass on to you. Checkmate. Stephen says it was the angel of, of Yahweh, angel of the Lord, who spoke with Moshe on Mount Sinai. Simple math demonstrates that the angel of the Lord is Yeshua, the angel who was speaking to him on Mount Sinai. John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Any questions? Earlier, I had done considerable research into the angel of the Lord, and I will share a study guide that I developed. But first, I want to share another much-read post that begins to explore this topic. This post, originally published December 12, 2013, is titled, What Did Moshe See in the Burning Bush? 
The first part of Exodus chapter 3 details Moses' encounter with the burning bush. I reread this portion of scripture the other day as part of a recent topical study when I saw something I had never seen before. Moses tells us precisely what he saw in the burning bush. I shared what I found at my Torah study, and with more than 350 years of Bible knowledge, I put that in quotes, between the seven of us, not one of us had ever noticed what Moshe saw in the burning bush. That alone was an interesting lesson in how our paradigms can be shaped, even when the text is startlingly specific. So what did Moses see? Let's read the first five verses of Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses was pasturing the flock of Yitro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moshe said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up. When Yahweh saw that he, he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moshe, Moshe. And he said, Hineni, here am I. Then he said, do not come near, remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Did you hear it? Even upon reading the passage out loud, our group missed it. In fact, the only reason I noticed it is because I was on a mission reading every mention of the angel of the Lord in the Tanakh. And bang, there it is. A better question is, who did Moses see in the burning bush? The timing for this could not have been better. I had just written, was Jesus on Mount Sinai? The question explored has particular importance in understanding his connection with the giving of the Torah and our obligation to keep my commandments. So when I read, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of the bush, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moshe, Moshe, I got excited. It's another stark proof that Yeshua, Jesus, was not only there, but intimately involved in every step from creation until revelation. Now, lest you think I'm running ahead of logic, let's take a look at several of the angel of the Lord passages to verify that indeed each is a Christophany, to use an established term most are familiar with in Christendom. John chapter 118, in a passage concerning the divine nature of Yeshua, the Messiah, says, No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. In saying this, John clearly teaches that all visible encounters with, quote unquote, God are actually him revealing himself in or through Yeshua. His glory is revealed to varying degrees depending on the particular event or circumstances. Hagar in Genesis chapter 16 has an amazing encounter with the angel of the Lord and the knowledge that he is Yahweh, the Lord. Genesis 16 verses 8 through 15 says, Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur, 
He said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? And she said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to submit yourself to her authority. Moreover, the angel of the Lord, or more properly, the angel of Yahweh, said to her, I will greatly multiply your descendants so that they will be too many to count. The angel of the Lord said to her further, Behold, you are with child and you will bear a son and you shall call his name Ishmael because Yahweh has given heed to your affliction. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand will be against him and he will live to the east of all his brothers. Then she called the name of Yahweh who spoke with her. You are a God who sees. Or uh, I forget what it is in Hebrew. I think it's, uh, uh, oh man, Barilla High Roy, maybe. I have to go back and look that up. For she said, have I even remained alive here after seeing him? So let's see. Hagar speaks with the angel of the Lord, and in verse 13, it tells us that it was Yahweh, or Yehovah, who spoke to her. Understanding John's teaching that no one has seen God at any time, and Hagar's amazed that she had this conversation and is still alive, we can see that Yeshua is the one who spoke with her. Another amazing angel of the Lord encounter is in Judges chapter 13. This is an extensive encounter between Samson's mother and the angel of the Lord, followed by Manoach, her husband, praying that he return, and he does. Even more interesting is the connection with, with asking for and accepting sacrifices and worship. See Judges 13, verse 23. Like Hagar, Manoach and his wife are afraid they will die having seen God. That's in verse 22. Read that passage in your Bible and highlight every use of the angel of the Lord. You should see about 11. Let's focus on verses 17 and 18. Judges 13, 17 and 18. Manoach said to the angel of the Lord, What is your name so that when your words come to pass, we may honor you? But the angel of the Lord said to him, Why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? The angel of the Lord, with a wink and a twist of humor, leaves a clue that will not make sense until Isaiah comes along. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. I just have to laugh and marvel at the same time. What a mighty and humorous God we serve. The depth of the mysteries of his word, and here it clearly connects the angel of the Lord with Yeshua, the wonderful counselor. There are a number of other angel of the Lord passages. Genesis 22 at the offering of Isaac, Isaac. Numbers chapter 22 has an extensive encounter with Balaam and the angel of the Lord. Gideon speaks with him in Judges chapter 6. He judges David and the people in 2 Samuel 24, 16, while destroying Sennacherib's army in Isaiah chapter 37, verse 36. All are interesting passages worth your time to explore. 
But in keeping with my amazement at Yeshua's appearance at the burning bush and his previously discussed presence at Mount Sinai at the giving of the Torah, I found one other angel of the Lord appearance that cements his involvement with the Torah and our need to be obedient. Judges chapter 2 verses 1 through 5 say, Now the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochim, and he said, I brought you up out of Egypt and led, and led you into the land which I have sworn to your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And as for you, you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall tear down their altars, but you have not obeyed me. What is this you have done? Therefore, I also said, I will not drive them out before you, but they will become as thorns in your side and their gods will be a snare to you. When the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the sons of Israel, the people lifted up their voices and wept. So they named that place Weepings or Bochim, and there they sacrificed to Yahweh. Wow! The angel of the Lord appears to all the sons of Israel, and he says, I brought you out of Egypt, and you have not broken my, or you have broken my covenant, and you have not obeyed me. As we've previously seen, and many, many theologians agree, the angel of the Lord appearances are Christophanies, or appearances of Yeshua, Christ, in the Tanakh, and he is the one who brought them up from Egypt, swore to the fathers, and made the covenant. The one who demands obedience. Just like at the end of the Jesus on Sinai post, I sit here stunned. How has Christendom justified claiming that Jesus did away with the law, or even changed or abrogated any of it? I'm sorry, but that is absolute and utter fallacy. James 4.12 says, Yeshua, Jesus, is the lawgiver. He said in Matthew 5, verse 18, that not the smallest letter or stroke will pass from the law or the Torah until all is accomplished. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, Yeshua is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Brothers and sisters, Yeshua, Jesus, is the atoning sacrifice that frees us from the curse of the law. And the curse of the law is what we have when we, we receive the curse when we break the law. So he frees us from the curse of the law and allows us back into covenant with him. His covenant is the Torah. He appeared to Moshe in the burning bush to bring Israel out of Egypt. He calls us today to come out of Babylon. Leave the religious traditions behind and seek the truth of the word. Walk as he walked. If you love him, keep his commandments. The Torah. He saves us by his grace and calls us to obedience. Please wake up. So the next part of chapter 5 is what I've got titled as the Angel of the Lord Study Sheet. And I produced this uh, July 19th, 2015. Uh, this is probably going to be a little more 
um, discussion and maybe some page turning in my Bible as I go through, because the study sheet is more like cliff notes. It's an outline, and uh, you could take the time. Wow. Sorry about that. Let's see if I can turn my phone down here. This is really professional recording. You can tell, um, and so I'm glad you appreciate that. <laughs> but uh, So this is going to be a little bit more of a discussion-type format as we go through the next little bit. The following are my notes for a Bible study that I led on the topic of the angel of the Lord. These notes are in bullet format because, honestly, a book could be written just from these couple pages of notes. I pray they challenge and enrich your understanding of our Messiah and his relation to, uh, to Yahweh and to us. Now, the, the study sheet is available on my blog, natsav.com, N-A-T-S-A-B.com. Um, and it also is in the book. If you get a copy of the hard, get the hard copy of the book available on Amazon.com, um, titled "Repairing the Breach," page one seventeen through one nineteen has these notes. So, John chapter five verses forty five through forty seven, and Luke chapter twenty four twenty seven. Um, let me read those very quickly. So, we're going to be doing some page flipping here. Um, it looks like Luke popped up first here, so let's just do Luke first. Luke 24, verse 27 says, Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all of the scriptures. In John chapter 5, should be a couple pages over here. Verses 45 to 47 says, Do not think that I will accuse you before the Father. No one who accuse, the one who accuses you is Moses, in whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? And those really are ironic words for Christendom, because Christendom, of course, they would read that and preach a big old honking sermon on it. But uh, the scriptures clearly say, Yeshua clearly says, if you don't believe Moses, you don't believe me. Because Moses wrote about me. And Moses wrote the Torah. So if we reject the Torah, we reject the Messiah. Genesis chapter 16, verses 7 through 13 is the first passage that, that we look at for the angel of the Lord. We'll see how long this study portion takes. Genesis 13, verses, oh, I'm sorry, Genesis 16, verses 7 through 13. It says, Now the angel of the Lord found her by the spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. He said to Hagar, Sarai's maid, Where have you come from and where are you going? And she said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit yourself to her authority. Moreover, the angel of the Lord said to her, I will greatly multiply your descendants so that they will be too many to count. And the angel of the Lord said to her further, Behold, you are with child and you will bear a son and you shall call his name Ishmael because Yahweh has given heed to your affliction. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand will be against him, and he will live to the east of all his brothers. 
Then she called the name of Yahweh who spoke to her. You are a God who sees. And in my side notes here, it says, Bir Lahai Roy. That is correct. I said that a few minutes ago. Have I even remained alive here after seeing him? Therefore, the well was called Bir Lahai Roy because it is between Kadesh and Bered. Notice the claims that this Malak, this messenger, this angel makes. He says, I will multiply you. He says, and she says, Yahweh, or the Lord, Yehovah spoke with me. And she says, have I even remained alive after seeing him? Um, in fact, in the, uh, in the Torah portion that we had just a couple days ago, as we, as we study through the Torah each year, the Torah portion we had just the other day, um, God tells Moses that uh, he's going to hide him in the cleft of the rock. And this is in uh, Exodus chapter 33, verse, uh, the verses leading up to verse 20. But in verse 20, he says, you cannot see my face for no man can see me and live. And yet it tells us elsewhere that, that Moses knew him more personally than any other. Right? So, when she says, have I even remained alive after seeing him? If we read John 1, 18 and 537, which I've previously quoted in this, in this segment, who did Hagar see and hear that made these astounding claims? Genesis chapter 22, verses 11 through 18. Again, note the claims that the angel of the Lord makes. I'm going to read this, and I'll just kind of highlight these as we go through them. Okay, Genesis uh, 22. 11 through 18. The angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Avraham, Avraham. And he said, Hineni. He said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing for to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven, and he said, by myself. I have sworn, declares Yahweh, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, indeed, I will greatly bless you and I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which are on the seashore and your seed shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Exodus chapter 3 Verses 2 through 6. Give us some more. Listen to this. The angel of the Lord appeared. This is a visible manifestation. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moshe said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up. When Yahweh saw that he had turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush, and he said, Moshe, 
Moshe? And he said, here am I. Then he said, do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet. The place on uh, which you stand is holy ground. He said also, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moshe hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. If we slide on over to verses 14 and 15, let me start with verse 13. Then Moshe said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now that now they may say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? Moshe, um, then God said to Moshe, and actually the uh, Targum Jerusalem says the Memrad Yeah said to, or the word of the Lord said to Moshe, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. So the angel of the Lord calls himself God, calls himself Yahweh, and says, I am. God furthermore said to Moshe, Thus you will say to the sons of Israel, Yahweh, the Elohim of your fathers, the Elohim of Abraham, the Elohim of Isaac, the Elohim of Yaakov, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial name to all generations. Eddie Chomney often refers to him as Yahweh Yeshua. And I think that is an appropriate name. As previously mentioned in this book, the, the name Yahweh uh, or the, the yod heh vav -He, the Tetragrammaton, um, is translated commonly in English as the Lord. But if you go into your translator notes at the beginning of a study Bible, typically it will tell you that that they did that out of deference to the Jewish position to never say the name. And yet right here it says, this is my memorial name. And he basically says, use it. Just don't misuse it. But more than 6,800 times in your Bible text in the Old Testament, it says, yod heh vav -Heh, or it has the name of God, whether you understand that to mean uh, Yahweh or um, Yehovah, or a similar pronunciation, Yahuwah, um, over and over, we see that his name is hidden by the phrase, the Lord, which is actually a class of being. Okay, Numbers chapter 22, verses 22 through 35, tell us some more things. This is an amazing encounter of the angel of the Lord with Balaam. You remember Balaam and, and Balak, uh, the typical English pronunciations, but Balaam and Balak. Uh, in verse 31, the angel of the Lord accepts worship. And yet nowhere else in Scripture ever do we see angels accepting worship. They always turn and point to heaven, to the God of heaven. Or they say, you know, don't worship me. We see that so many times. And yet the angel of the Lord in multiple situations accepts worship. He tells Balaam, he says, you have walked contrary to me. And then he tells him in, in uh, 22 verse 35, he says, you will speak only the words I tell you. And in Numbers chapter 23 verse 6, 
Oh, I'm sorry, 23 verse 5, it says, Yahweh put a word in Balaam's mouth. The angel of the Lord is the visible person, is the visible uh, manifestation, however you want to phrase it, of God. It is Yeshua. No man can see God and live. And yet uh, John tells us that uh, that Yeshua, in the beginning was the word, and the word was, was with God, the word was God so on and so forth. And then he goes on and he tells us that he is the one who has revealed God. Exodus chapter 14, verse 19 has an interesting little verse, or is an interesting little verse. Exodus 14, verse 19, it says, the angel of God who had been going before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them. The angel of the Lord leads Israel out of Egypt. Compared to Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 and 18, where it said God did not lead and God led. And then compare Exodus 14, 24, where it says Yahweh looked down from the fire and smoke. Exodus 14, 24. Judges chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, I went through a few minutes ago, but he said, I brought you out of Egypt. The covenant, uh, and I swore to your fathers and my covenant. And he says, you have not obeyed me. And then we compare that with Acts chapter 7:38, where um, Stephen at his defense uh, before he was martyred um, said, the angel who was speaking with Moshe on Mount Sinai, the messenger. Judges chapter six, verses 11 through 23 is an amazing encounter. You have to notice the claims there. It says, Yahweh is with you. And then he tells, let's, in fact, let's, let's flip over there for just a second. We'll go over there and I'll read a portion of this so we make sure we have the context and you understand what is being said. Okay. Judges chapter 6, starting in verse 11, it says, Then the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak that was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizrite. As his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress in order to save it from the Midianites, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Yahweh is with you, O valiant warrior. Then Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if Yahweh is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not Yahweh bring us up from Mitzrayim, from Egypt? But now Yahweh has abandoned us and given us into the hands of the Midianites. Yahweh looked at him and said, I see it's the angel of the Lord he's talking to, and yet the text tells us, Yahweh looked at him and said, Go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? Then he said to him, O oh Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? And that's probably Adonai um, or Adon. Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh, and I am the youngest in my father's house. But Yahweh said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat Midian as one man. This continues, and uh, 
So he says, please do not depart from here until I come back to you and bring out my offering and lay it before you. And he says, I will remain until you return. Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from an ephah of flour and put the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot and brought them out to him under the oak and presented The angel of the Lord said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on the rock and pour out the broth. It's a meat and drink offering. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread and fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. Then the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. When Gideon saw that he that he was the angel of the Lord, he said, Alas, O Lord, God. Uh, Actually, it's Adonai um, Yahweh. For now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face, panima panim. The Lord said to him, Peace to you, do not fear, you shall not die. He accepts worship. He accepts an offering. This is not your run-of-the-mill angel. This is Yeshua. Judges chapter 13, verses 2 through 23. Notice again that the angel of the Lord appeared. He was visible. In verse 11, I'm going to flip over here right quick and just read a couple verses. Um, But you're getting the point, right? Verse 11, so the angel of the Lord said to Manoach, let the woman pay attention to all that I said. I said, right? And in, uh, in verse 11, Manoach rose and followed his wife. And when they came to the man, he said to him, Are you the man who spoke to the woman? And he said, I am. I wonder if they fell down at that point as, they did, as those around him did at other points when he showed his power simply by saying, I am. Verse 16 and verse 23. The angel of the Lord said to Manoach, Though you detain me, I will not eat your food. But if you prepare a burnt offering, then offer it to Yahweh. For Manoach did not know that he was the angel of Yahweh. In verse 23, But his wife said to him, If Yahweh had desired to kill us, he would not have accepted a burnt offering and a grain offering from our hands, nor would he have shown us all these things, nor would he have let us hear things like this at this time. And I already mentioned verse 18. I did that uh, in the previous little segment here. But it said that the angel of the Lord said to him, Why do you ask my name, seeing as it is wonderful? It sets up that riddle that's not answered until Isaiah 9, 6, some 500 years later. Wonderful counselor. Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 14 tells us that the angel of the Lord walks in the midst of the camp. So we know all of this. Exodus 24, uh, 9 through 11, we have this situation where the elders and uh, Moshe, Aharon, Nadav, and Avihu um, go up onto the mountain and they eat and drink with God. It says that they saw the God of Israel, and yet no man can see God, right? They saw God and he did not stretch out his hand. So who was it that they saw? The one that they saw is the one Colossians 1.15 says is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. The one that they saw was Yeshua. 
So knowing this, if Yeshua stood on Mount Sinai and James 4.12 calls him the lawgiver and Hebrews chapter 13.8 tells us that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then what does he mean when he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments? Exactly what commandments is he talking about? What commandments did he give? I recommend you go back and read the Torah because it was Moshe and Yeshua who spoke on the mountain. And it was from Yeshua that Moshe received the Torah. Shalom.